Two Stories, Heenan and the Thunderers, by Lewis Spence. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Heenan Many interesting myths are related of the manner in which Heenan destroyed the monsters and giants which infested the early world. A hunter, caught in a heavy thunder shower, took refuge in the woods. Crouching under the shelter of a great tree, he became aware of a mysterious voice which urged him to follow it. He was conscious of a sensation of slowly rising from the earth, and he soon found himself gazing down from a point near the clouds, the height of many trees from the ground. He was surrounded by beings who had all the appearance of men, with one among them who seemed to be their chief. They asked him to cast his eyes toward the earth and tell them whether he could see a huge water serpent. Unable to descry such a monster, the chief anointed his eyes with a sacred ointment, which gave him supernatural sight and permitted him to behold a dragon-like shape in the watery depths far below him. The chief commanded one of his warriors to dispatch the monster, but arrow after arrow failed to transfix it whereupon the hunter was requested to display his skill as an archer. Drawing his bow, he took careful aim. The arrow whizzed down the depths and was speedily lost to sight, but a terrible commotion arose in the lake below, the body of the great serpent leaping from the blood-stained water with dreadful writhings and contortions. So appalling was the din that rose up to them, that even the heavenly beings by whom the hunter was surrounded fell into a great trembling, but gradually the tempest of sound subsided, and the huge bulk of the mortally wounded serpent sank back into the lake, the surface of which became gradually more still, until finally all was peace once more. The chief thanked the hunter for the service he had rendered, and he was conducted back to earth. Thus was man first brought into contact with the beneficent Hinan, and thus did he learn the existence of a power which would protect him from the forces unfriendly to humanity. The Thunderers Once in early Iroquois days, three braves set out upon an expedition. After they had journeyed for some time, a misfortune occurred, one of their number breaking his leg. The others fashioned a litter with the object of carrying him back to his home, as Indian custom exacted. Retracing their steps, they came to a range of high mountains, the steep slopes of which taxed their strength to the utmost. To rest themselves, they placed the disabled man on the ground and withdrew to a little distance. Why should we be thus burdened with a wounded man, said one to the other. You speak truly, was the rejoinder. Why should we indeed, since his hurt has come upon him by reason of his own carelessness? As they spoke, their eyes met in a meaning glance, and one of them pointed to a deep hole or pit opening in the side of the mountain at a little distance from the place where they were sitting. Returning to the injured man, they raised him as if about to proceed on the journey, and when passing the brink of the pit, suddenly hurled him into it with great force. Then, without loss of time, they set their faces homeward. When they arrived in camp, they reported that their comrade had died of wounds received in a fight, but that he had not fallen into the enemy's hands, 
having received careful attention from them in his dying moments, and honorable burial. The unfortunate man's aged mother was prostrate with grief at the sad news, but was somewhat relieved to think that her son had been kindly ministered to at the end. When the brave who had been thrown into the pit regained his senses after the severe fall he had sustained, he perceived a man of venerable aspect bending over him solicitously. When this person saw that the young man had regained consciousness, he asked him what had been the intention of his comrades in so cruelly casting him into that abyss. The young man replied that his fellows had become tired of carrying him, and had thus rid themselves of him. The old hermit, for so he seemed to be, made a hasty examination of the Indian's injuries, and announced that he would speedily cure him on one condition. The other pledged his word to accept this, whatever it may be, whereupon the recluse told him that all he required was that he should hunt for him and bring home to him such game as he should slay. To this the brave gave a ready assent. The old man lost no time in performing his part of the bargain. He applied herbs to his injuries and assiduously tended his guest, who made a speedy and satisfactory recovery. The grateful warrior, once more enabled to follow the chase, brought home many trophies of his skill as a hunter to the cave on the mountainside, and soon the pair had formed a strong attachment. One day, when in the forest, the warrior encountered an enormous bear, which he succeeded in slaying after a desperate struggle. As he was pondering how best he could remove it to the cave, he became aware of a murmur of voices behind him, and glancing round he saw three men, or beings in the shape of men, clad in strange diaphanous garments, standing near. In reply to his question as to what brought them there, they told him that they were the Thunderers, or people of Henan, whose mission it was to keep the earth in good order for the benefit of humanity and to slay or destroy every agency inimical to mankind. They told him that the old man with whom he had been residing was by no means the sort of person he seemed to think, and that they had come to the earth with the express intention of compassing his destruction. In this, they requested his assistance, and promised him that if he would vouchsafe it, he would speedily be transported back to his mother's lodge. Overjoyed at this proposal, the hunter did not scruple to return to the cave and tell the hermit that he had killed the bear, which he wished his help in bringing home. The old man seemed very uneasy and begged him to examine the sky and tell him whether he perceived the least sign of clouds. The young brave reassured him and told him that not a cloud was to be seen, whereupon, emerging from his shelter, he made for the spot where the bear was lying. Hastily picking up the carcass, he requested his companion to place it all on his shoulders, which the young man did, expressing surprise at his strength. He had proceeded with his burden for some distance when a terrific clap of thunder burst from the menacing black clouds which had speedily gathered overhead. In great terror, the old man threw down his load and commenced to run with an agility which belied his years. But when a second peal broke forth, he suddenly assumed the shape of a gigantic porcupine which dashed through the undergrowth, discharging its quills like arrows as it ran. A veritable hail of thunderbolts now crashed down upon the creature's spiny back. As it reached the entrance to the cave, one larger than the rest struck it with such tremendous force that it rolled dead into its den. Then the thunderers swooped down from the sky in triumph, 
mightily pleased at the death of their victim. The young hunter now requested them to discharge the promise they had made to him to transport him back to his mother's lodge. So, having fastened cloud wings on his shoulders, they speedily brought him thither, carrying him carefully through the air and depositing him just outside the hut. The widow was delighted to see her son, whom she had believed to be long dead, and the thunderers were so pleased with the assistance he had lent them that they asked him to accompany them in their monster-destroying mission every spring. He assented, and on one of these expeditions flew earthward to drink from a certain pool. When he rejoined his companions, they observed that the water with which his lips were moist had caused them to shine as if smeared with oil. At their request, he indicated the pool from which he had drunk, and they informed him that in its depths there dwelt a monster for which they had searched for years. With that, they hurled a great thunderbolt into the pool, which immediately dried up, revealing an immense grub of the species which destroys standing crops. The monster was indeed king of the grubs, and his death set back the conspiracies of his kind for many generations. The youth subsequently returned to earth, and having narrated to the members of his tribe the services which Hinun had performed on their behalf, they considered it fitting to institute a special worship of the deity, and, in fact, to make him supreme god of their nation. Even today, many Iroquois allude to Hinun as their grandfather, and evince extraordinary veneration at the mention of his name. End of Hinan and the Thunderers by Lewis Spence Recorded by Evan Mantler